Now, let's pray for this family before I forget. Father God, we ask that you would be with the Gingri and the Gibbons family, Lord. That you would lift them up. That you would give them comfort in this time of tragedy and loss that they are going through. Lord, I pray that you would set their hope steadfastly upon you. And that they would not be moved. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin Genesis chapter 16, and I titled this, Sarai's Plan. <laughs> we are discussing Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 6, and you will see very quickly that this is Sarah's plan, amen? Or Sarai, as she's still called right now, because she hasn't gotten the name Sarah yet. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a had an handmaiden, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. And I pray thee, go into the uh, go into go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram, and dwelt after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid to thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Now, I want to begin this with some starky, uh, a stark comment, okay? It's baffling to me how she thought this might work. Okay, um, and I'm saying this practically. Okay, now I know over there in Utah they kind of uh, have this kind of weird thing going on. Okay, but I don't know about you. Number one, my wife's jealous <laughs> and ain't gonna have none of that. Okay, second of all, as a man, I barely understand the one woman I got. Okay. And maybe I'm different from the rest of men. Maybe there's men out there that know more about women than I do, and I'm sure of it, okay? But I'm a simple man, and I can barely, from day to day, get by living with the woman that I have because I don't understand her, and I don't understand how to make her happy. I don't understand how to make her uh, please her. Do, do. You know, it's just never in my mind I'm never doing enough showing enough, never smart enough, never, you know, and, and for the life of me, I'm trying to figure out 
in Abram's mind why Abram said, sounds good to me. Okay? No, this doesn't sound good, okay? It sounds like catastrophe in the making. Okay? <laughs> Amen. I'm not so sure Sarah is an all right name right off the top of my head either. I don't know if the names have anything to do with it, okay? Listen. Talk about this for a second. Number one, Sarai is barren, okay? The Lord, uh, she says in verse one, or it says in verse one, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaiden, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Now I wrote a few notes down here, and I'm gonna go by my notes so it'll be a little quicker and a little more concise. Sarai was barren. Now, later on, we're going to realize that she blames this on God, and it's true that God is the author of all life. Anyone who ever has a child is because God has sanctioned this child to be, amen, uh, which is the number one argument that we make in against abortion, amen, is the fact that God is the author of life. God is the one who sanctions all life, amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why? Because all life comes from God, period. Amen? Now, <laughs> I wrote it this way. Sarah was barren, but she had a handmaiden. Sarai now has her own plan B. You remember plan B? Remember Eleazar, Abram's plan B from chapter 15? Abram had a plan B. His name was Eleazar. He said, Lord, you've not given me an heir, but here this Eleazar, he's going to be my heir. Remember that? That was his plan B. Now Sarai, not learning from Abram's talk with the Lord and realizing that plan B isn't God's plan. Plan A is always God's plan, and it's going to happen just the way the Alpha and the Omega says that plan A is going to work. Amen. And Sarah said, I got an idea. I got a handmaid. Her name is Hagar. I'm going to give her to my husband. Now, first of all, let's talk about how Hagar possibly came into Abram's and Sarah's service. She's Egyptian. Where did they come from? Egypt. When they dwelt in Egypt... They were blessed with manservants, maidservants. If you flip back to chapter 12, verse 16, talking about the Pharaoh, it says, And he entreated Abram well for her sake, that's Sarai, and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and menservants and maidservants and she asses and camels. Right? So right here is more than likely where Hagar is picked up, taken from Egypt when they leave, and take to, taken to the land of Canaan. Verse 2. Sarai offers a solution to Abram. Okay? Now, most worldly men are looking for a Sarai like this. Okay? Just telling you. 
Most worldly men are looking for the woman that's going to do just exactly what Sarai says right here. Now, for those earthly men that are asking, they're looking for that kind of woman, be careful what you wish for. Because the moral of this story is you only need one woman. And most of the time, the plans that you guys make, you need to just throw away. Amen. And go with what God said he was going to do. Amen. I named this Sarah's plan because more often than not, what we do is we get so tired of waiting for God to do it in God's timing that we go to work trying to do it in our own flesh, in our own way, and come up with our own plan B and get fruit that God really didn't intend for us to have and was not part of his plan to bless you with. Isaac is the blessed one. Isaac is the son of promise. Did God know that Sarah was going to do this? Sure. Did God sanction this activity? Sure. But we note God's own words. It will not be through Ishmael. It will be through Isaac. Amen. God's plan was Isaac. Sarah's plan births Ishmael. Sarah offers Abram a solution. Sarah feels like the Lord has kept her from bearing children. Note verse 2. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. Now we know this is the case because barren wombs in the Old Testament were blamed almost exclusively on the, the, the Lord, that he was not blessing them, right? And when they did have a child, they called it the blessing of the Lord, right? And even in praying that God would give her a seed, we know that Hannah understood that God was the author of life. Amen? So that's how Samson came about because his mother was barren and she prayed and beseeched the Lord, sat at the altar, prayed and sackcloth and ashes. You know, she was seeking God. And God blessed her with a child, a covenant child, a judge over all of Israel. Amen. Because God is the author of life. Now, I want to spend just a little moment on verse 2 in the King James. It says, I pray thee. Now, in the ESV, will you read me verse 2 of chapter 16? says go into my servant the ESV kind of misses this in my opinion because there's a verb here that's being used a particle that's being used here I pray thee okay in the Greek or the in the Hebrew it's I pray thee and it's a very specific term that that uh, really reflects the verb of take her take her she's being emphatic about go to my servant so that I can have children. Amen. Now this word in the Hebrew, if I if you go look it up, it's Hebrew word uh, 
H4994, and it's gnaw, okay? And it's a particle. It means to exhort or to entreat. It's an imperative, okay? It's an imperative form towards the verb. It's saying, go. I pray thee, go into my servant, Hagar, okay? So she's, she is exhorting her. She's entreating her. She's, she's forcefully, you know, coercing her to him to do this amen uh urging that's the word i was looking for he was urging she was urging him to do this okay and it's missing that in the esv okay i'm just saying it's not really there as an urgent thing she just says go into my go into my servant hagar right doesn't really give you that imperative feeling in the reading of that one, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with it. It's still holding true to the biblical text. I just think it's missing. If you were reading them side by side, if you were reading the King James and you came to the part where it said, I pray thee, go into my servant, and you just read, go into my servant, it has a little different emphasis. You know what I mean? Uh, idea is still the same. She's going there, but it's not a forceful go into my servant. You know what I mean? The I pray thee really brings that to bear. You know what I mean? Uh, number four on this point. She is urging Abraham to use her maidservant as a surrogate. Now, this is common practice in the ancient Near East, okay? If a woman was barren, it was not unheard of for her to take her servant and bring it unto her a, a husband and say dude now this is in the wider culture okay I'm not talking about israelite culture or or hebrew culture okay uh in that hebrews did do this but the idea didn't come from yahweh okay the idea of multiple wives is not an idea that comes from yahweh this is a cultural near middle east way of handling certain situations this is not spelled out in the bible we have our understanding of marriage spelled out in genesis 2 and 24 for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh right this is marriage one man one woman for life this is expressly what the bible teaches emphatically what god teaches Amen. Now, just because people do it doesn't mean God's the one telling them to do it. <laughs> well, murder happened in the Bible, though, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just because it happened in the Bible doesn't mean you can do it, okay? <laughs> no, well, actually, he told them not to do it, okay? He did. He told Solomon not to do that, okay? And Solomon, by he told Solomon not to have horses like all the peoples around him, hundreds and thousands of horses. He don't, don't have a great many horses. told him not to have chariots. Told him not to have concubines. And as great as we all think Solomon is, and God says Solomon was wiser than any man that would ever live, be wealthier than any man that ever lived, Solomon broke all three of those promises. 
he had more horses, he had more chariots, he had more women, right, than anybody ever would, okay? Now, in perspective, Abram only has problem with two. How many did Solomon have? That's wives. He had 700 concubines. Now, can you imagine the level of insanity that that takes? Okay? Like, just think about the worst argument you ever had with your spouse. And then times that by 1,700. Let that sink in. <laughs> okay? I don't know. I thought it was like a thousand wives and 700 concubines. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's a lot. It's way more than any rational human being could ever deal with, okay? Uh, so, the wise thing, we have to understand that wisdom, at, at, in Solomon's cases, there's certain things that he was wise about, and then there were certain things that he obviously... He was a savant at some things and some things he just didn't get it. Okay. <laughs> yes, the light of nature does reveal that no man should have more than one wife. That is true. That is true. <laughs> What's that? How many? Oh, Mike was right. Look at Mike. 700 wives and 300 concubines. Mike, Mike doesn't remember what shoes he put on this morning, but sometimes he just pulls things out of midair that he knows, okay? It's amazing, okay? It is amazing. Thank you for that, Mike. We appreciate you humbling us and making sure we understood that you still know the Bible, okay? I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, anyway, a 1,000 is still way too many, okay? Like, <clears throat> I'll leave it alone. I'll get myself in trouble. <laughs> Point number five on verse two. This thought of Sarah obtaining children through Hagar, I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think she's really thinking this through. Like, does she think that there's not gonna be any repercussions about her husband getting another wife, sleeping with her, and then that woman actually conceiving a child okay and you don't think this is going to strain the relationships that you're having it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense amen doesn't make any sense at all okay uh verse three sarah takes hagar to abram okay like personally delivers Hagar to Abram. Look what it says. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram dwelled ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram as, uh, to be his wife. So she gives, she gives uh, Hagar to Abram with the intent that Hagar is going to become his wife. I want you to, like, circle that in your mind for a second because this is going to be important 
when Abraham talks about Hagar in verse 6. <laughs> okay? It's going to be important and show you how fast Abram washes his hands of Sarah's plan. <laughs> okay? Or tries to. He doesn't get to, but he tries to. Uh, you'll note that in the case of Abram and Sarai, that even though God goes ahead and gives them Isaac, they still have to deal with the consequences of going with Sarah's plan. Amen. So it's not as if God's going to just bypass your plan and you're not going to have to suffer any consequences for your plan. And God's just going to move you straight over to his plan. Amen. If you get ahead of God's plan and you try to make it your own way, God will let you deal with the consequences of doing it your own way. And he may very well get you to the end, to his plan, because that's his plan. Amen. But you're not bypassing the other consequences. Amen. And I know so many times people, especially in reform circles, we kind of get really stuck on the fact of God being sovereign. And he's controlling all things. And, oh, he'll just work it all out. And then we think that means I'm not going to deal with the consequences of my own choices. But that's not true. Amen. You do deal with the consequences of your own choices. Even though God has a plan and he's going to get you to the end. If you decide, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to follow Sarah's plan, you're going to have an Ishmael. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to have more problems than you started with. Amen? <laughs> and not only more problems than you started with, but this Ishmael is going to be a thorn in his brother's side forever. Okay? That's a pretty big consequence, right? Now, Abram still, God still was faithful to Abram, fulfilled all those promises to Abram, and we know he done that fully in Christ. Amen? Now, that being said, is Ishmael still being a thorn in Abraham's seed side? We can say yes, right? Uh, I want to note number two on verse three that time, there's they give you a time reference and it's really for the readers of that period okay because that time reference really doesn't tell us a whole lot okay number one we don't know what time it was when Abram left Ur of the Chaldean anyway okay we don't know the year so this time reference that they give in verse 3 if you look at it uh, and Sarai took Abram, uh, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt in uh, ten years in the land of Canaan. Now, we that reference was for the people of the time that they were reading this. Okay, that reference really doesn't mean a whole lot to us. In that, number one, we don't know when he left the Ur of the Chaldeans. We don't know when it was he got to Canaan. Is it when he first got to Canaan, or was it when he went down to Egypt and then he came back and dwelled in Canaan? Was it after uh, uh, Lot and he separated and then he went back to Canaan and dwelt in Mamre by the Oaks of Mamre? Was it then that the 10 years started? We don't know, okay? This time reference doesn't really mean a whole lot to us, but that's exactly what it is. It's a time reference 
for whoever was reading this first, they're going to go, oh, okay, us, we're going, when was that? <laughs> right? We don't know. Now, it, I think, logically, since we've gotten this far into the storyline of Abram, that this 10 years more than likely started after Lot and he separated, okay? Uh, possibly after he rescues Lot and dwells in Mamre, okay? Possibly. I don't know that. I'm just guessing. And if you told me something, you'd be guessing too. <laughs> Amen. So we won't quibble about guesses on this, right? Uh, number three, Hagar is given to Abram with the express purpose of becoming his second wife, which is not a good thing, okay? I don't care what anybody says, you know. Uh, if you watched that, that show, The Sister Wives, you'll know that it's not a good idea. <laughs> and uh, I know my wife, she's jealous, and uh, there would be very serious consequences. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, not to mention, like I said, I'm so inept when it comes to being knowledgeable about my one wife. I would be useless being the husband of two wives, okay? It would not be good. I have, like, more birthdays to forget, more anniversary, more, you know, more to-do lists to forget. Why? Why? Okay, why? Uh, I don't think this had any shot of working. I, ha I have no doubt that this was doomed for failure from the beginning, okay? And I want to tell you the reason I'm saying that is because all of our plans that we're making, when we're making them outside of what we know God wants us to do, are going to fail just like this. Amen? It's going to look very similar to this. Uh, I want to read a, a note from the ESV Bible, the ESV study Bible on this. I brought this Bible literally for this one reference on verse 3. <clears throat> Hagar's status when a, within, Abraham, within Abram's household is changed from servant to wife. Although this does not place her on par with Sarai, while the Old Testament records occasion uh, records occasions where particular individuals have more than one wife, such, such instances are almost always fraught with complications and difficulties. The taking of multiple wives is never encouraged in the Bible. They tell you, see Genesis 2:24, Deuteronomy 17:17. 17, 17. And usually arises out of a peculiar circumstance. Uh, for more on polygamy and marriage and sex, they have an article in the back of this Bible, and you can read it. If you have one, go read it. <laughs> if not, you can. I'll screenshot it, and you can read it out of mine. Okay. But the reality is, the Bible doesn't teach polygamy. Amen. It teaches monogamy, and. Just think about Solomon having a thousand wives. Okay, 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
Do you realize what happened at the end of his life? It says that Solomon hearkened unto the voice of his wives, forsook the Lord, and built temples and altars to their gods. He was led into idolatry. Okay? So if you're using Solomon as a, uh, a, a, a poster boy for polygamy, I'm sorry, it's not going to work for me, okay? Because his wives led him into idolatry and sin, and it's not good. <laughs> uh, marriage, if you want biblical marriage, Genesis 2 and 24, we already talked about it. And uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's Genesis 2, 24. Uh, they do not... Now, Here's the thing. Sarah comes up with this plan, okay? Sarah's like, okay, I'm barren. The Lord's preventing me from having children. But I got a maid, and you can take her to be a wife, okay? Now, first of all, Abram should have been like, hold on, what's the catch? Right? Like, but instead, it seems as if Abram's like, yeah, Hagar, send her over here, <laughs> right? kind of what it looks like okay Abram obviously has not thought this through Sarah has not thought this through amen and and, and watch this verse 4 okay verse 4 is so and he went into Hagar and she conceived now when she saw that she had conceived her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, this is talking about Hagar. Hagar, the minute she conceives, I'm better than Sarah. See, the Lord blessed the fruit of my womb and didn't bless her. Well, she didn't want to give her child away. She thought she was better than Sarah now because she gave Abram a son and Sarah couldn't. Right? This is a this is a status thing going on now. Right? And now, even though Sarai is the first wife and actually holds the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, Hagar's looking down at her. Hagar's loathing her, you know, looking down at Sarai going, oh, I'm better than you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not going to do what you say, right? Like, it, it, it probably started to turn like that. How do I know that? <laughs> you can read the next verse. I got a little note here. <laughs> They do as Sarah suggests. And now Hagar despises Sarah. Watch this, verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong, I want you to get this, my wrong be upon thee. Hold up, woman. This was your idea. I did just what you told me to do, and now you're mad at me? My wrong be on you? Ho, ho, hold on. Now, first of all, I did exactly what you said. You can't be mad at me that I did what you said, and then Hagar got pregnant. Right? That's what Abraham's probably thinking, okay? But it doesn't matter to her, okay? She said, my wrong be upon you. Now, watch what she says. Verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, 
And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eye. The Lord judged between me and thee. Now let's put it in perspective. Sarah's like 75 years old, okay? They've been married a while, okay? And now here comes this little Miss Thang. Gets pregnant and starts looking down her nose at me. I've been your wife for like 50 years, Abram. You better go check her, okay? Better go check this girl before I have to mess her up, okay? Now, the problem is, Sarai is getting the fruit of her own plan. This is the hard part about this, okay? This was her idea. She brought the idea to Abram, okay? Now, I don't know, this sounds pretty, it sounds pretty normal, okay, in my house, okay? Because somebody will do something, and then I do what I'm told, and then they're mad at me still, okay? And, I, it, you know, I just got used to that, okay? It's okay. I'm, I got broad shoulders. I can deal with all that. But in this case, Abram is wrong because he's allowing Hagar to look down on Sarah, okay? The plan was that Hagar is going to be a surrogate. She's going to be a, 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 a body mom, right? And when this kid's born, it's going to be Sarah's, right? How do we know that this is the intention? I want you to go back to verse 2. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children through her or by her amen this is Sarah's plan is this lady's gonna have a baby then it's gonna be mine and I'll raise it like it's my baby and this is obviously not what Hagar now thinks is gonna happen she's like no girl I'm, I'm fixing to have this baby it's my baby right now we see this all the time in modern day uh, adoption cases, right? Women are like, oh, I can't have this baby. I'm going to give this baby up for adoption when it's born. And then when they see the baby and they hold the baby, they go, nope, I can't give this baby away, right? This is one of the things that they obviously weren't thinking ahead on when Sarah come up with the plan and Abraham agreed to the plan, okay? This is all of it has been fraught with uh, a lack of serious thought put into what's going to happen, okay? It's obvious. I wrote a few notes on verse 5. Sarai is finding that the situation is now unbearable for her and seems that it seems that she is regretting her impetuousness. And that's exactly what it was. She's regretting her impetuous behavior of wanting to go past the Lord's plan, to hurry up God's plan. You know, we're just trying to speed it up, God. Oh, we want a, we want a loin. We want a kid from your loins. Here, use Hagar. But that's not what God promised. Amen. And anytime we're outside of God, what God told us to do, we're going to get the consequences of our own choice for that action. Amen. 
And this is exactly what's happening to them. Now Sarah is completely regretting probably that she even had this idea, number one, right? Number two, that it actually worked in that Hagar's pregnant now, but now Hagar doesn't want to give this baby up. Amen? Now watch this. She seems to understand that she has a fault to admit or some blame for the circumstances lays on her. Because she says in verse 5, my wrong. Okay, now she realizes that she was wrong. Okay, <laughs> now watch this. She realizes she's wrong, but it's still Abram's fault. <laughs> she said, my wrong be upon you. Well, first of all, that's true because Abram's dead, right? <laughs> So it's his fault anyway, okay? Because he's the boss and he should have had enough sense to go, girl, what you doing bringing that Egyptian girl over here? You know I'm your man. Don't be bringing that girl over here. I don't need that girl, but no, no. Right? Right? So if you don't want your woman blaming stuff like that on you, don't take the bait. Amen? Don't take the bait. You see, come, look. First of all, I know something's up if Carmen ever done anything remotely like that. I've been like, where's the cameras? It's like some shit, one of them gotcha shows or something, you know what I mean? It's like uh, How to Catch a Cheater or whatever, okay? I'm, I, I, no way, okay? No! But this dude went ahead and said yes. So she realizes she had a bad idea, right? She's realizing really quickly she had a bad idea, but it's still Abram's fault. Okay? It's still his fault because he should have said no. And that's true. Just like Eve ate that apple and Adam did not have to. Okay? But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. <clears throat> Verse. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Verse 4, and he went into Hagar and she conceived. Now, in the notes of a lot of study Bibles right here, they hearken back to the Garden of Eden where it says, and Adam hearkened unto the voice of his wife. This is exactly what's happening right here, okay? Now, let's, let's think of it just purely uh, physically. In a physical sense, Abram here is 85 years old, right? Got Sarah, been married to Sarah a while, 70, she's 75, they've been married, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is. And she brings this maid from Egypt and says, hey, 85-year-old man, do you want to sleep with her? Now, he still should have said no. But Abram's going, I ain't getting any younger. Right? And I need to have an heir. And he already had this argument earlier in chapter 15. He had the same argument. Except for his plan B was Eleazar, right? And he goes, well, you know, she looks like a better plan B than Eleazar does. <laughs> right? 
I don't know what he was thinking. I'm just making stuff up, okay? And I'm trying to make this funny, but in all reality, he should have said no, okay? There's no way this was going to work. But he hearkened under the voice of Sarah. He had to have, or he wouldn't have done this. Just like Adam, in every commentary you read about that verse, they go back to Genesis 3, where Abram hark or where um, Adam hearkens under the, uh, the voice of his wife Eve and eats that apple. Adam didn't have to. And Paul doesn't lay the blame for the fall of man at Eve's feet. He lays it at Adam's feet. Amen. Why? Because the head of the woman is the man. And it is Abram's fault. So where, where I'm making light of it and I'm trying to make a joke, it is Abram's fault. Sarai came up with the plan. She admits it was a bad plan. Look, my wrong be upon you. Amen. It's the woman you gave me. That's exactly what Adam said. He tried to pass the buck too, okay? He did. Now, Sarai, bless her heart, she wasn't going down by herself. She was like, I know I come up with the idea, but you didn't have to do it, right? You didn't have to follow through, right? So, so it, she's right. It is Abram's fault too, okay? There's no, there's no doubt about it, okay? Now, verse 6 is... Very, very telling, number one, of how hurt Sarah was. But also kind of the, the manner in which Sarah carries this out. Is it, I'm, I'm sure that she's not proud of herself, okay? I'm just telling you, okay? And even the biblical record here doesn't paint it as a good picture. I got a couple of notes here I want to read on verse 5 and then I'll get to verse 6. But she says to Abraham... It, uh, it seems it seems that she's blaming him also, and we know why she's doing that. Sarah feels despised in Hagar's eyes. Apparently, Hagar was looking down on Sarah, and you can see it later on even when Ishmael gets bigger and Isaac hasn't, uh, hasn't grown up very much, what, he's like uh, five or whatever when, he, when, he, when he's a young boy and and Ishmael's making fun of him and, you know, scoffing at him. Um, this attitude of Hagar has obviously been, been passed on to Ishmael. And Ishmael's now doing it. You see what I mean? Uh, we'll get to that here in, what, next chapter or two. But uh, verse 6. Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Now, Notice he doesn't say, hold on, I know you had this plan, but she's my wife now. She's carrying them, my child. Abram seemingly washes his hands of Hagar. Like, hey, wasn't my idea anyway. You can do whatever you want with her. She's your servant, right? Seems like he's like, whoop. I'm done with this situation. You do whatever you want with her. Right? Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleases thee. He's washed his hands of the situation. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, 
she fled from her face. Now, the ESV, I believe, says harshly, right? The ESV says harshly. Now, we all have character defects, right? Sarah does not look like she's handling this situation very godly. Let's say it, right? Now, look. First of all, this girl probably didn't ask to be a slave, okay? And then you took her all the way from her house in Egypt, brought her up here to the land of Canaan, and then you you took her. You didn't ask her. You didn't say, hey, Hagar, do you want to come sleep with my husband? Verse 2 says she took Hagar to Abram to be his wife. Sarah did that, Okay? I think there's a lack of accountability in her own mind about how she handled it and how she should go about, you know, handling the situation. Now, this girl Hagar probably wasn't making it easy on herself after she already had the baby and started looking down her nose at Sarah, okay? So I kind of see how it went sideways. But you still don't see Sarah acting in a way that you would really think she would, given the rest of the story that we have about Sarah, okay? Abram washes his hands of Hagar, or attempts to, and we know he doesn't get to totally wash his hands from her, because God sends the angel and tells her, go back and submit to your, you know, your mistress, submit to her, which she does, begrudgingly, obviously, and they still have to deal with Hagar for another 14 or so years because Ishmael's around 14 when they're drove away, you know what I mean? Uh, when they ran off into the wilderness. Ishmael's already around 14 years old, okay? So they spent quite a bit of time there with Abram being two wives in the same house. Uh, Sarai deals harshly with her, and Hagar flees. Now, that's probably the smartest thing she did is leave. She probably should have just, you know, kept running, but she didn't. God had a plan even for Sarah's plan. Amen. I think this is encouraging in that even when we try to go our own way and do our own thing, God still works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his good purpose. Amen? And that in, in saying that, we understand that while God didn't necessarily tell him, hey, go be with Hagar, God obviously blesses the fruit of Hagar's womb, gives her life. Amen? Makes covenant with her about her son twice tells her she'll bless that son but that's not the son of promise God boldly unequivocally tells Abram this is not the son that I'm going to bless this is not the seed this is not the one that your seed will bless the earth through it's not him it will be through Sarah your wife amen and it's important that we realize that that moment of them believing God coincides with them getting new names. 
you ever realize that? When they believed God about Isaac, Abram becomes Abraham, Sarah becomes Sarah. Very important. There's some theological truth in there that needs to be understood that when we believe we got that new name. You know, remember that old song? I got a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Amen? We do got a new name because we're the redeemed. Why did we get it? Because we heard and we believed. Amen? And that's all Sarah and Abraham had to do. But Sarah, just like Abram, had his own plan B or had her own plan B. Amen? Let's stay away from plan B. I know things don't look good right now at the church. I know things don't look good in our country. But it ain't time to come up with a new plan. It's time to just trust God with what he said he was going to do. Amen? And if God said, I'm going to do something with this church and with you and with, then he's going to do it. Okay? Now, we can't be complacent. We got to do what we know to do while God does only what he can do. Amen? And that's, what all, that's all Abram had to do. That's all Sarai had to do. Amen? Now, I think that, more than anything, encourages me to not look at my circumstances. Abram was 85. Sarah was 75. They thought, no way. Here, let's try our own way. Well, they got fruit from that. And I want to caution you. This is my final word of exhortation, and I'm closing. But I want to caution you to not settle for something that just looks fruitful just because it gives you a little fruit. Hagar bore Abram a son. I'm sure he was very excited about having a son. But that fruit wasn't the fruit of promise. And just because something may blossom for a second doesn't mean that's the harvest. Amen? We need to be very careful and follow God's word. Do what we're supposed to do and let God deal with what God alone can deal with. Amen? So that's my encouragement for tonight. I know it may not have been, you know, very profound, but I think it has very practical implications for our life in following Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you have fixed all of our plan B's and C's and D's and E's and F's. And Lord, that you stand ready to continue to mold us and shape us and put us back on track whenever we like sheep go astray. Lord, for all those who are struggling with waiting on your promise, those who are struggling with waiting for the results or the expect, they have false expectations about what your success in their life looks like, God. Pray that you would help them to hold on to the truth of your word. To the promises contained in your word. For you're not a man that you should lie. The son of man that you should repent. And if you promised it, you surely 
will do it. So God, we ask that you'd help us to hold on to that faith. Help us not to waver. Help us to hold on. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.